0: Thanks for joining us on Joy Church podcasts. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. Father, we love you and we honor you. It it's my heart that all of this, whatever goes on today from this moment forward, brings glory to you and honors you, Holy Spirit. Please help everyone in this room pick out anything that isn't and receive anything that is in Jesus' name. I pray, Amen. I'm gonna start this morning with a video of a song. If you've been around. Uh, church online, church in person, uh, Grammy, uh, not Grammy, yeah, maybe Grammy Awards, I don't know, the uh, Dove Awards and so forth, for any length of time at all, you have heard this song. This morning, I'm going to ask you or invite you to, to look at it, listen to it, partake of it anew and afresh. couple reasons. One, it's a profoundly powerful song that is biblically and scripturally accurate, too. Um, It accomplishes much and tells great truth. And third, there's a special reason unique to this body, unique to this church. You see, the body of Christ is, according to the book of Corinthians, 100% connected. It's like a fabric. It's like a giant web, not like an ugly spider web or a web made by an ugly spider because some spider webs are beautiful. No it's it's like it's like what we do here and now in our words, thoughts, deeds actually affects his worldwide church and the same is true for all believing people anywhere. But more particularly no small piece of my heart is in Nigeria. I've been to Nigeria And we're in pretty close relationship with several different Nigerian leaders. And there's a very, there's an apostolic leader in Port Harcourt, Nigeria, a very, very violent, sketchy city near or on the coast. I'm bringing you this song from the person who actually created it, the actual author. I do that a lot. Because for me, there's kind of a special more anointing, um, because some of the covers are phenomenal, don't get me wrong. But for me, there's always something special about the person who created the song through the power of the Holy Spirit singing it. And such is the lady who's going to sing this song. This is the actual author of the song. She's very well known on the African continent and, and some places beyond. Well, Come to find out, she got saved because she walked into the church that our dear friend, our dear friend couple, and Frank never even knew this, but she got saved one day when she walked into his somewhat large church in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. And some time later, she ended up writing a lot of great music and is, again, a very well-known worship leader. What's the point? The point is the fabric. And then secondly, you're related to this song and this author by only three degrees of separation, or two, in the, in the spirit, in the body. Does that make sense? So let's dim the lights, and please, this is, to, this, this is less, maybe a little bit less about worship than it is reminder and speaking truth, so partake of it, engage, let it affect you. I want to tell you about today, uh, our time together. Now, I love me a good preach, and I like getting a good preach on, I really do. I love teaching. I love imparting. It's very seldom that I just bring something that's intended to minister. I'm here mostly today. I've been asked to just minister to us and to really focus on practical application, and that's what our table time is going to focus on, is really bringing this home in practical application, because what good is it if someone ministers to you, even if it's really, especially if it's good, and I pray that today is, if we don't receive it, and then put it into use, have it grow legs and feet. So I will tell you also that when I get to do this, I seldom have any notes. This is pretty much my notes, a list of scriptures, and that is the next slide. You can take pictures of it if you want. When this message posts on the joychurch.life uh, Web page. This same slide will be up there. So if you want to go there probably later in the week, uh, this same set of scriptures will be up there. On the left side are First Testament or Old Testament references, and on the right are the New Testament references I may refer to depending on what Holy Spirit says. Have I left it up there long enough? Okay, <laughs> for those of you listening on Spotify or via the joychurch.life website, you will find the links to that video and the others that are going to be played this morning right below on the, on the. if you need to go to the joychurch.life site and check this message out because all of the slides and the links to the videos are posted there for you. I want to speak just for a second to that audience, because it turns out that we have listeners from kind of all over the place. And um, listen, this is just as much for you. Everybody in your room, would you extend your hands, please, and just—listen, you are just as much minister listening to this recording, whenever you listen to it, as any of us in this room. You are just as important. And the change and the difference you can make in your own life, that of your families, that of your workplace, is just phenomenal. So we bless you. May this message not just speak to you, but embolden you. In the precious and mighty, masterful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So here's your actual title slide. Take a second to take a close look at that slide. I, My wife grew up in an area where there are tornadoes. I did not. Now, we had forest fires, earthquakes, all other good stuff, but we never had to make tornadoes. I've been on the edge of a tornado. I've never been in a tornado. Um, take a close look and see what all a, that storm has gathered up. So I entitled this message, Soul Storms. We're going to focus today on the soul. Now, I do you subscribe to the belief that God is Trinity, three different persons in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that do you subscribe to the, what the Scripture says about that we are created in His image, or actually as His imagers, is better translation of the Hebrew. So that means maybe we are three in one too, right? How about spirit, soul, and body? Well, at any one time if if those three separate areas are indeed separate, and I choose to believe that they are, and I think it's theologically sound at any one time, it's preeminent, any one of those is the engine on the train, and that can change from minute to minute. Jesus was twenty four seven hundred per cent led by the spirit he didn't his his soul didn't boss him, just think of all the times that He let the Spirit override his mind, his will, and his emotions. That's a very good way to to break down the soul, mind, will, and emotion. It's less than complete, but for our purposes it will work today. Likewise, just think of all of the times that Jesus let the Spirit overrule his flesh His own physical hunger, his own endocrine system, his own, all of those things. Just, you know, and he says that as we go on in life, the better, the closer we come to the throne and stay there, and the more we understand the kingdom, who Jesus is and what it's all about, the more and more and more we can be led by the Spirit, such that the soul and the flesh complement it. Now, I'm not quite there yet. Sometimes, sometimes, especially like on a Monday morning after a really busy weekend and a preacher or a teach, sometimes the <laughs> my flesh says, pick me. I want some dopamine. They got ice cream at, at the grocery store. They got Reese's at the grocery store. Go get you some. Sometimes that overrules the spirit and anybody else. You need a dopamine hit every now and again. Yeah, just walk into any one of the casinos. That's what's going on with those video machines. That's what's, ac- you're actually stimulating neurotransmitters in the brain. That, that's the physical self ruling a little bit the soul to escape and so forth and so forth. But I don't think there's a whole lot of folk playing the machines that are totally spirit led no condemnation but would you agree with that sure it doesn't even make sense does it i know i'm gonna win (laughs) 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 right okay do you get the picture today we're going to talk about the soul let me define it as this yes it's mind will and emotion but what is it essentially what is it even deeper well it's that it's that it's that one thing in the entire universe that makes you unique it is your essential self at some point that nobody can see touch or feel but they say when you pass away you instantly become 26 grams lighter and your soul goes to heaven maybe it's true maybe it's not it's that it's that Innermost being—it's the core of who I am and who you are. That's the soul. Now, did that did that definition make adequate sense to you? Raise your hand if it did. Okay, I think we can move on then. Now, I'm on. I'm here today because, well, I I had a whole different message as of Friday night, and then I was out in our backyard early in the morning. Our backyard faces west, and sometimes the sun rises behind us, and sometimes, you know how it does in Nevada, where it's kind of gray and kind of shadowy all around, but when you stand with your back to the sun, it highlights little spots in the valley, right? And that's what was going on Saturday morning as I stood out in my backyard, and I was just mulling all of the situations in which we are involved, or with which we, about which we know. And I don't know in my many, many years if I've ever seen a season, a time, when souls are more under assault. I'm just standing out there thinking about the people that we're contending for, praying with, praying for, and the list is just... And it's not like it's. Yes, the list is long. Can you kind of agree with that? I mean, how about your family? How about other people you care about? How about your workplace? How about marriages that you know, or maybe your own, and so forth? Hands again, please. Is would you agree that this is a very intense time, and that souls are under assault, marriages and families? Health, my gosh. Some of the doctor reports in the last several weeks. Wellness, mental health. where There's like three or four situations in families near and dear to us where mental health is just, it's a significant major issue, tearing up the person involved and the family around them identities have come into question, right? You know somebody who is a little less sure of who they are or what they're here for? How about confidence? Have you noticed people, are you aware of people maybe at your workplace that, gosh, just a few weeks ago seemed like they were pretty on their feet, but now all of a sudden they just are having a challenge with confidence or certainty? Something else I've noticed, the level of kookiness. I'll call it the kookiness density. I mean, some of the stuff that people are calling prophets or uh, prophecy is just kooky. And there's a lot of it. Some of the stuff that they're reporting on the news, whack, right? What are people thinking? How is this rational, let alone good? It's just kooky. There's a lot of kook out there. Yeah? If you haven't noticed that, be on the lookout, because, man, the kookiness density is pretty severe right now. I could go on and on and on. What are the outcomes, though? What are the outcomes of the conditions that we are seeing? Negativity, cynicism, sarcasm, suspicion. I've looked and looked and looked. I cannot find anywhere where one of the Holy Spirit's gifts is suspicion. And yet a lot of us who try hard to follow Jesus end up in times like this, suspicious, suspicious a lot of different things, media, other people, uh, other people's motives and intentions, and so forth. Disenfranchisement. I used to be a part of something. Now I don't feel like I'm a part of it anymore. I don't feel like I'm valued Disappointment, isolation, hopelessness, powerlessness, senseless crimes. I mean, crime, there's enough crime as it is, but some of the stuff that we're seeing now for crimes, property crimes, vandalism, theft, personal crimes, assaults, all those kinds of things, just absolutely senseless, coming out of the, what? Who thinks that was a good solution or a good way to go? You see what I'm saying? Here's another thing that we're seeing an awful lot of, and it's not uncommon this time of year, homicidal and suicidal ideation. That has really amped up and ramped up. Marriage stress, even separations and breakups. Families we've known for a long time, you wouldn't think, what? That family, family strife. Is there a spiritual component? Of course. Yeah, facts and and data and information and evidence on the ground. Sure, that's one thing. But the the degree to which the enemy is trying to use that, put an exclamation point on it and ruin people's lives, is, is incredible right now. So, yes, there's a spiritual component to it. Thing though, the power to fight and to defeat every spiritual thing is highly dependent upon the condition of our souls. We can talk spirit all we want, and it's still no less true, all those scriptures, but our soul needs to be in good enough shape to even go there. Does that make sense? Spirit, soul, body, all interact. I can think I'm the most spiritual person in the world. I can cite and quote chapter and verse, and I can pray all the prayers, declare all the declarations, decree all the decrees, bind all the bindings and all and you name it, cast out, deliver you name it. But if my soul isn't alignment, isn't in alignment with the cross and Christ, how much good does it do? I can spout. But do I have any clout? I just made that up. (laughs) So I'm thinking about all these situations in my backyard yesterday. And unbidden, out of the blue, into my mind pops Jehoshaphat. 2 Chronicles chapters 17 through 20, and particularly 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, the the books of Chronicles, they, they actually chronicle things. They chronicle the the succession of kings that ruled various areas of what modern day middle east and jehoshaphat was the king of judah and he was the king of judah from 870 to 849 before jesus so 850 years ish before the birth of christ jehoshaphat was the king he succeeded asa who died in office and so did jehoshaphat well Judah faced horrible opposition from some really vicious and hostile em- enemies. A couple of different tribes. You can go look up in Second Chronicles, again, chapter 17 through 20, the names of the tribes, and it, there's a great deal of detail about what they were like and what was going to happen. The bottom line is that Jehoshaphat is out in this area. There's a valley and some hillsides, and uh, they were under severe threat more than one of these armies. It was going to be slaughter, massacre time. And Jehoshaphat did not have an easy soul. Now I have a picture. Sometimes I get like videos. If you read the Bible really, really closely and ask the Holy Spirit to help, sometimes it'll play videos. So here's Jehoshaphat. For the people on the recording, I'm walking around scratching my head, pacing, thinking, praying, wondering what I'm going to do because everybody that I'm supposed to rule is about to be killed. and this Person who's kind of just one of the regular folk. His name's in there too. One of these just a regular person. Like one of you sitting at this table or you sitting at your wherever you're sitting on the recording. He's like, hey, I think I just heard from the Lord. And this is what I'm supposed to say. And he says <laughs> This battle ain't even yours. Well, it doesn't say ain't in the Bible. Regular person, lowly, king, goes to the king. This battle isn't yours. All you need to do is mine, the Lord says. Just go up on the hillside and stand there. Take your position. Take your position. Take your position and stand. And watch what I will do. Now, different translations say that differently, but I like that one. And sure enough, here come the enemy armies. And sure enough, it gets pretty graphic in the Bible. <laughs> they lose, and they lose big time because Jehoshaphat listened to somebody like you at a table, said, Sound like that could be from the Lord, took his position, and stood everything in the kingdom of God is positional if you've been around me any length of time you've heard me say that more than once everything in the kingdom of God is positional what's your position where are you what's your posture our flesh takes us out of position, away from the Christ, through lust and desire, temptation. How many of you know of someone who has a deep addiction? Is it more powerful than the cross? Is it more? Yes, it is in their lives. Practically applied, right? And it doesn't have to be a chemical. No matter how much they desire, no matter how much their soul, no matter how much their spirit yearns and longs for the presence of God, isn't it true that the flesh can win? Yeah. And isn't that true of the soul, the mind and the will and the emotion? If I'm a wreck in any one of those areas, it's pretty hard to get back into Position. What's the key? Stand. Every time you see Jesus or the Bible, with rare exception, every time you see someone, because there are two different words in the Bible that are translated as power. One of them is dunamis, which is real power, like the power of TNT, or like the power of, you know, if, if I'm a policeman. My badge gives me authority, but my gun and my nightstick and my taser give me power. And so does the government, right? So that's dunamis. But my uniform and my badge and my patrol car and my whatever else show that I have been given the authority. That's exousia. So what I'm talking about this morning is exousia. And every time you see power in the Bible and it means authority, take a look because that person is probably standing. Stand like Jehoshaphat. Take your position and stand. Now we've spent tons of time and tons of messages on what is our actual position. Saved, healed, set free. Children of the co-heirs with Christ, no longer slaves. That's our position. And so much more. So I'd like to play our next video because we're going to transition to position. And again, just let this minister to you. This is an artist who is quite popular nowadays, but he didn't get there because he was poor at what he did, or because he isn't a pray-er, because he is. There is no greater force in the universe than the love of God. So when we find our souls completely out of position, God calls no less, loves no less, if anything more. Our soul is tempted to resist because we inherit the solution. It's my problem. I need to fix it. That's completely bankrupt. Because the Bible says the opposite. The Bible says, I can run to Jesus, I can run to Abba, and I can say, I did this and this and this, or this and this and this is happening, or this and that, this and that, everything beyond my control totally. Or, I really made a bad choice, I was so dumb. And I can say, man, God, you got a problem. What are you going to do about it? And how can I help? That's your Abba. That's your Abba. We just, we need to tell our souls. I wish I had time to go into all of those Old Testament stories that I put on slide, the first slide. I don't. But I'll just tell you, whether it's the prophet Micah in chapter 7, or it's the psalmist in myriad Psalms, or it's Solomon in the Proverbs, or it's even Jeremiah, you know, about as emo as they get. But he's awesome, he's wonderful. And even in his lamentations, there's so much hope. Time and time and time again. And I'm going to get very to the bottom line. The psalmists, the Proverbs, Job, Micah, on and on and on in the Old Testament. They list a litany of the troubles and a litany of how bad people are treating them and a litany of how much they've been betrayed and how much... Everything sucks and sucks out loud on 11. And then they say, without exception, but my God is faithful. My God is present. I worship my God. And they turn their soul toward their God. And then here comes Jesus, lives a perfect and sinless life because he was led by the Spirit such that he could see what the Father was doing and hear what the Father was saying and only do those things. He showed us it's possible because he was fully man. He laid down all of his privilege. He didn't lay down his deity. He freely chose to live as you and I. What does Jesus say? Well, time and time and time and time and time again. He says, fear not. Time and time again, he says in, in myriad different ways, but I, let's just go to John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. In one, he says, uh, I give my, my peace, God's peace, I give my peace to you. My wholeness, my wellness, my certainty. And in another place, he says, behold, I have overcome all of the circumstances and all of the world systems and all of those ways. I have overcome all of that and everything and anything evil, the dominion of the devil. I've overcome it all. I got you. And then he says, I give you my peace. And I go on to cite Hebrews chapter 13, Philippians chapter 4, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 14, Colossians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, Romans chapter 8, Mark 4, and then we get to this one. One with which we are all very familiar. Ephesians chapter 6 and the whole armor of God. Raise your hand if you've heard of the whole armor of God or the armor of God. Pretty much everybody has, right? Here's the thing we so commonly underappreciate. I'm not saying you've missed it, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just at it more closely this time. What I've done is I've taken some excerpts from the verses, not out of context, what it actually says. And this is after Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 6, verse 9. So all of the background is really, really critical, but here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. Why do we want the whole armor of God? So that we can stand like Jehoshaphat so that we can inherit, come into to act from His authority, the authority of God, exousia. We come in to stand. You don't want to lose my mind or my will or my emotions. Instead, I'm going to put on these, how it describes each element of the armor of God, so that I might stand. And the enemy doesn't influence me so much that my soul comes out of alignment. The Bible calls it so that in your mind, so that you keep your mind. Stand. Stand. Take your position and stand. With what I have left, I would run about five minutes over. I can cut it. Can I have your permission to run five minutes long? There's another person who writes great songs. Her name is Christine DeMarco. I looked up the derivation of this song, and she wrote it at a time when her life was absolutely she she suffered horribly from fear anxiety and panic attacks and she was sick to death of it and she lived in San Francisco and as a coping skill she used to get out of her house and run when when these when this anxiety stuff would come over here on these and these panic attacks she she would she would run to an area in San Francisco called i think it's called Twin Peaks and i guess it's really 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 steep and arduous like normal people can't do it but she would go out and run and And she was having this time that was in the morning, and she was going to go out and run. And and she saw, and it was around this time of year, end of October, she says. And there was a pumpkin on, you know, one of the houses. And she just, like it wasn't right, and she admits it, but she just stole that jack-o-lantern off that porch and ran up the hill with it. And she's so tired of being this, with her soul being such a wreck, she runs as far as she could, runs out of breath, picks up that jack-o'-lantern and just, in a a fit of, I am not going to put up with this one more minute, throws the jack-o'-lantern onto the ground and obliterates it. And she'll tell you, that's where this song got its start. Now, I'm not saying go steal your neighbor's stuff off their porch run around and destroy their stuff. There's enough vandalism without you doing it. I am saying, when is enough enough? When he's right here. I love the book of Job because it has chapter 39. It's like the great ending to a really tough movie. Well, in in chapter 38, the Bible says that Job heard God from in the whirlwind, from within the storm. The book of Nahum says that Nahum prophesies that God will take his wrath out with a whirlwind, use a whirlwind. The book of first Kings chapter 19, Elijah's laying in the back of a cage in a field position. God tells him, I'm not in the wind. I'm in the still and the quiet. So we cannot look to the conditions for the Lord. We must look for the Lord. We must align our soul. So with that, let me take you to our second to the last slide, and it's just one quote out of one psalm. One, of, Some of my favorite psalms are the Psalms of Ascent. This is such a psalm. We can speak to our soul. The psalmists do that regularly. We can tell our soul what to do. return unto thy rest o my soul for the lord hath dealt bountifully with thee the niv says it return to your rest my soul for the lord has been good to you and the passion says now i can say to myself and to all relax and rest become green for the lord rewards fully those who simply trust in him those of you those who know me very deeply on all my life details and there are not many know that i can speak to this and where i come from because i'm one of those people who has been through a whole lot of soul storms one of which or a few of which were really intense and at the end of all of that why i can tell you this and minister to you like a father is because it's real, it's true, it works. When people ask me, how can you be like you are in these circumstances? I can't answer them. I just know I can I'm going to be hard on you today. At your table, the old Horatio Spafford song, It Is Well With My Soul, right? How many of you have heard of that song? It Is Well With My Soul. Well, if anybody knows the story of Horatio Spafford when he wrote that song, that hymn, it doesn't make any sense how it could be well with his soul, because he was going through a horrible time and profound loss. Yet, it is well. So here's your exercise. It's a two-part exercise. It's way simpler than it might seem initially grab you a piece of paper or a phone or your phone or the journal that's on the table or the bible that you brought or something to write on and just take 3 minutes 4 minutes to assay to survey to assess the condition of your soul record in what condition are my Mind. Your mind is your brain and other things. Lately, how has my recall been? Lately, how is my short-term memory? Lately, how easy or difficult is it do I find solving problems? If somebody put math problems in front of me that I could easily solve two weeks ago, how would I do today? Um... Do I have ready answers? Can I find things? Can I find logic and rationale? Am I acting out of illogic and irrational? Am I acting more from my emotion? Is that because my mind might be tired, fatigued, overdrawn? Does that make sense? One being, man, if I get any lower on the scale, I'm in big trouble. Five is I am functioning wonderfully in my mind. The same thing with your will. I've been thinking about some people, one of whom is uh, someone very near to us. Most of you in the room will know who I'm talking about. We visit her every single day. And um, her mind is at the mercy of Louis body dementia. And she's at the end stages Yet her will, oh my, it doesn't make any sense what that woman does at times because of her will, out of her will. If you want to fortify your own will, I, you can look to men. We always look at men and they look at, men's will is often cited in battle, in, in fighting, right? the will to survive, the will to do this, the will to do that. But if you want to learn biblical will, toughness, sheer toughness, study women, study women, because it's incredible what God puts in a woman when it comes to toughness and will. Look to women as inspiration for will. Emotions. Okay, as far as will, that's just, can I get the nose, to what extent, how easy is it for me to get the nose wheel off the runway? Do, can I, how how easy is it for me to get up, get dressed, wash my face, face the day, put one step out in front of the other, have a genuine smile, knowing I can, I can do this and I will do this. How easy is it for you to do the things no one else does when no one's looking? How easy is it for you to persist despite the circumstances? Or how difficult? One to five. That's your will. And lastly, the emotions. That's the caboose. But oftentimes our emotions drive the train. They're the engine. There's no such thing as a bad emotion. There's no such thing as a good emotion. They just are. Emotions are pleasant or unpleasant, somewhere in between. But to what extent are my emotions in check, leveled, you know, if, you, if they had meters, what do the level meters say about my emotions, hope, hopelessness, anger, serenity, uh, all the emotions, you, you know what they are, sadness, happiness, gladness, etc. Where am I at emotionally? Up. Down, pleasant, unpleasant, somewhere in between. One to five. Does that make sense so far? Then, just add those up. Anybody, all of us can add a column of three single-digit numbers. That's right. We have calculators on our phone. And those of you listening by the recording do this too. And then just divide it by three. And that is a rough, 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 this moment, because it'll be different 10 minutes from now, snapshot of where you're at with your soul. Now, that's all private. That isn't to be shared. This is just between you and Holy Spirit and yourself. Does that make sense? Step two, share your soul score, your average, with all your table mates. You don't have to tell them why. And don't, because this isn't that time. Whatever you would say next about how you're doing and why, you need to take to the Lord. Or to someone who, with whom you are in deep relationship. makes sense? So the facts don't matter when it comes to your table discussion. They matter incredibly, but not for the purposes of the table. Then, out loud discuss among yourselves What is the one thing I could do that would make the most positive difference? Ask for Holy Spirit inspiration. If you're mentally exhausted, maybe it's, I don't know, go get some time away, one hour. Maybe it's take a drive. Maybe it's go sit by a stream. Maybe it's just watch an old movie if you're into old movies. Just take a mental break and let him recharge. Does that make sense? What's the one thing I could do that would make the most positive difference right now? And then pray for one another as led. We are at a quarter till the hour. We don't have to end at noon. This could be done in 15 minutes, but it's not really practical. It's not really realistic. So take the time to work through it because, because everything you do that's incremental improvement brings you closer to God, improves yourself, and improves everything and everyone around you that you influence. Does that make sense? Let's walk out of here stronger in our souls than we came in. Those are your instructions. Any questions? Father, we thank you for this morning, we thank you for this delicious food that we are about to eat, and we bless your name. I'll have a closing comment when we finish. Let's process this. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, that I might not forget, lose track of, lose sight of, all of your benefits. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcasts. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about The Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday!